Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. We're thrilled to have you and to welcome our guest, Dr. Liz Mathias, who is a licensed clinical psychologist and school psychologist. And Liz, thank you for being here. Your bio and all that information is in the show notes. So we get to dive right into a fabulous, stimulating conversation. You ready? I am more than ready. Awesome. So let's get started. Tell us a little bit about what you do with families of what we like to call complex kids. We were just talking about that and how you came to be doing this work. So um, how I came to be doing this work is I am trained as a clinical psychologist. And right after I graduated, I took a job with Children's Specialized Hospital where I was in their neurorehabilitation program. Mm -hmm. Um, That's for children and adolescents who had suffered brain injuries. And we were there to help rehabilitate them so they can return to school. And while we were there, we would have what is called a child study team meeting. And this team of people came in. And I remember saying to my colleagues, who are these people? Um, (laughs) And this is after you graduated from college or from graduated from graduate school. Once I had my PhD. Okay, got it. So I didn't I wasn't exactly sure. And so they were like, this is the child study team. And there's a school psychologist. I'm like. Because, you know, you develop a very intense relationship with these kids. You see them every single day. You're a part, like I would do their psychotherapy and run the groups. And so I got to know each one really well. So as we were letting them go, I was like, where are they going? And who is this person I'm releasing them to? And I thought to myself, I want to be that person on the other side to receive the kids. Mm. I remember my colleague said to me, then you would want to be a school psychologist. And I was like, but I just graduated with my doctorate. (laughs) What does that mean? Like, why didn't anyone tell me this before? <laughs> so I I went back and I got certified as a school psychologist and wow. started working in the schools. I worked in the public schools and the private schools because I wanted to be on that receiving end to really help kids in school because, you know, I thought I didn't have children at the time, but I thought these are my babies and you're taking them. And I don't know if you're going to take care of them as well as we are here. Yeah, I love that. So that's where the whole school psychology thing came from. And I was literally like, the ink on my degree hadn't even really (laughs) dried, right? And I thought, I'm going to go back and do more schooling. And I did. And I was so... But you're a magical unicorn because that that magic combination of the two different areas of education, when you combine them, I can imagine that it has a really powerful impact for families because there's so much siloed in these worlds of supporting for kids. And I love it all because I can delve into it. I can do the testing. I can do a lot of different testing and I can look at the data to support the programs that they need in school. 
Um, yeah. and so I loved being a school psychologist and being a part of a team and working with the families. And I could always offer more just because I had more training. So I did. Yeah. Um, and That's then slowly I got pretty frustrated with now that I couldn't do as much as I wanted. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are definitely how- some, some limitations of working in a bureaucracy quite that large. Right. My role was pretty prescribed and I wanted to do more. And they were like, no, you can't write that in the report or no, you can't provide therapy for every single student in the school. And I was like, but why? Because you're not going to have enough time. And we'll, you know, we'll give it to someone else. But it's like, but no, I want to do, I want to run social skills groups. I want to do the therapy. And I kept, you know, being put back into my role. And I realized that that wasn't going to work for me in the long term. So I always uh, had some private practice on the side and then very slowly it got to be very a lot and I wasn't even really marketing or doing anything. And so when I was pregnant with my third child, I really had to make a decision whether I was going to continue in the school or pursue private practice. But it was a, you know, a huge leap of faith. There was a lot of anxiety and prayer around that. Understood. And I did it. Yeah, I, I know. I know. And so I did it and it was like, the best decision I ever made because I really, I really get to help families and students um, on a very deep level and I can make recommendations. And And what I hear is a very individualized level. You can really help them figure out what their needs are and then pursue those needs without the constraints of this is what we can and can't do. Right. And I can also support parents in knowing what to ask for Mm-hmm. because a lot of times it's not being, it's not going to be offered, but if a parent goes in and is well-informed and knows what to ask for, given what the data is supporting, what, you know, I support in a written report or through consultation. So to answer your question of how do you work with families, um, my team of six therapists and I provide a variety of different resources and supports, family therapy, executive functioning, coaching, play therapy, but we look at every single child in a very, very individualized way. And what does this specific child need at home, at school, from us as a therapist? What do they need from their parents? So we offer a lot of side-by-side therapy for the child, but parent coaching as well, and help because we understand it's a system. So we can have a child come in and we can come up with all kinds of resources, but if we don't have a family system that's supporting that growth and not supporting that communication or supporting that gaining independence or whatever it is, then we realize then this the system becomes stagnant and frustrated. So we Agreed. work the entire system and we definitely uh, work very much hand in hand with the schools as well. So let's talk a little bit about what your experience and so most of the people listening to this podcast will either for the most part be parents or professionals or both, often both in our community. Um, what do parents of complex kids need to understand better? Like, what do you feel like if you pull back a little bit, not from the nuances of each individual child, but look at the, at the bigger system that we're looking at, what do parents need to understand better? What are they missing? So I'll tell you what I think based on my personal experience in parenting three very different children. (laughs) (laughs) And as a professional seeing many, many children, I think there is no one size fits all. So I'm very much about that individualized approach and not parenting my three children, three very different ways. And taking a look at what your child needs from you 
and wants from you. And most of the time, there's a, it's a lot of listen to me, hear me, provide me with that safety and nurturance. I like to take it back to that basic, those basics of connect with your child first, because then they can hear you and you can hear them. And really taking into consideration your child's temperament and how they can best hear you. Because I have one child right now who we do a lot of communication via texting and another child where (laughs) we have to be sitting face to face. We have to be, you know, I have to have my full undivided attention. And I have one child who, you know, is running around and I chase him. And that's how we have our conversations. Or sometimes it's while we're in the car or sometimes it's bed. So it's, it's really looking at what your child needs from you and not by a one size fits all approach. Well, and what I'm hearing and what you're saying is even before, what do they need from you? It's there's this step before it, which is understand how your child communicates best. Right. Like, you know, do I need to be face to face? Do I need to write? Do I need to move? Those are the three you just described. And there's more for, you know, more kids out there, but it's really meeting the language we use at Impact Parents is meet them where they are. That's I I didn't put that language together, but thank you for saying that. Yeah. Now I'm going to reference it that way. I've also been listening to a lot of, um, listening to audibles that uh, Dr. Chabali, mm-hmm. a lot of her consciousness. Conscious parenting. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's fascinating with the, the piece that really resonates with me the most is that we didn't bring our children into this world so that they could be reflections or extensions of us, but that these are our children are here, that we're basically the modality through which our children came into the world. And now it's our job to really nurture whoever they will be. Yeah. So really being aware of what is driving you as a parent. Why am I feeling frustrated with this? And I'm again, I'm not speaking on just a professional level. I'm very much speaking on a personal level of yeah. why is this important to me? Is it really my goal or is it my child's goal? Do I need to put my thoughts agenda? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's so with you. There's so much synergy because as I'm hearing you, I'm thinking about how often I'll ask a parent whose agenda is this. Right. Is this really your agenda? Is this theirs? Is, you know, and and often we have parents who are so tightly holding the agenda of their kid doing school that the kid doesn't have a chance to take the reins. Yep. And our kids are overscheduled. Now, I know a lot of that's settled down in the middle of the pandemic, but we're kind of revving up again. And I can't help but say that, I mean, this has been my my golden mantra forever, which is one activity per child per season. Yeah. Because outside of that, it's just, it's too much. And our children, I don't think have enough downtime. And I think, you know, I've learned a lot from my own child because I have one extrovert, one introvert and one who's a mix. So, you know, and at my daughter will be like, I saw a friend like three years ago. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> That's so We're done. <laughs> I've had enough social. Or even if she's been with a friend, she'll say to me, I'm all friended out. I need downtime. Please don't talk to me. And I'm like, okay. I'm with you. My kids will come home and say, social is hard. (laughs) Social is hard, mom. I'm done. You know, and it really is. And I think particularly as people are coming back out of the pandemic and there's been so much more solitude, those who are not extroverted, it's exhausting to be talking so much and interacting so much and engaging so much. We really need to understand that they're not being difficult. They're spent. They're spent. 
Right. And yeah. I think it's even I'm I'm an extrovert and I really gain my energy from being people. But going through this pandemic, I think I've realized and respected that, yes, I love being around people, but I have to build in my downtime so I can re-energize so that I can do it again, which I love. I crave people. Yeah. But I think I realized that I need my downtime, which is not a lot, but I still have to you make still have to have some. I'm laughing. You're watching me smile because my husband is, is a raging extrovert. And at some point in the in the pandemic, he said to me, you know, honey, I think I'm being I'm getting in touch with my inner introvert. I'm like, no, sweetie, this is called being a hermit. It's different. <laughs> But I do love what you're saying is that because none of us are completely extroverted or completely introverted. We all have that capacity and that range. And it's really important. So part of knowing who your kid is, is knowing how they like to communicate and also knowing where they get their fuel, where they get energized. Right. Some will be energized by time alone. Some will be energized by being with people. Right. Um, and maybe that's family or maybe that's out in the world. And then you take it to the next level is, you know, with academics. School is a very big part of our children's lives, no matter what. And really understanding your child's academic profile. What's easy? What's hard? Do they need supports in school? What kind of supports do they need in the school? So I'm preaching to the choir a bit, but it's that big picture with all the different parts and really addressing whatever part needs the most attention in that moment. So, so I want to dive in a little bit. As a friend of mine would say, I want to double click on that. Okay. (laughs) I like that. I do too. I do too, but it's not mine. So we have this tendency to say, what I like about what you said is let's see where their strengths are, where their challenges are, and then let's give them the attention they need. And we have this tendency to interpret that as let's go do something about their challenges. And with our kids, it's every bit as important to play to their strengths. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm saying that knowing you're going to say absolutely. So absolutely. will you talk a little bit about giving them the attention they need is not always fixing the problems. Sometimes it's exactly not fixing the problem, but it's something else. So ball yeah. back to you. So I love to start with the what's, where's your strength? Yeah. Because I want to use your strength to help in those areas of weakness, but not really putting a lot of attention on the weakness, but more on your strength. Right. We all have weaknesses, but let's see where your strength is because that is going to help us to think about all the different ways that we can then maybe put together supports in place or to help you think about something a little bit differently or how to approach a task a little bit differently. And what I love with the psychoeducational assessments that I do is that I get, I spend the day with a student and mm-hmm. I have a lot of days in the past couple of weeks because the school year is about to begin. So a lot of parents want their kids tested. Right. So I get to spend like a full day with the teenager where it, we're just having this conversation. And as, I, as I'm going through the, just even the testing process, my thought is, well, you are this type of a learner. And so when I understand why this is harder for you, but this is your learning style. So understand that, be proud of it. And we have to teach you how to advocate for yourself because this method is not going to work, but this will. Yeah. I love and that. I see their face light up and I'm, because I, I know having worked in the schools and watching my own kids is when they can't do something based on how everyone else is doing it, you see that deflation, which I right. hate. <laughs> well, so the story that's coming up as I'm hearing you say this. And I love, I love this is, is my middle kid when she was in, like, I don't know, 
third or fourth, third grade. She was um, being, she has dyslexia and she was in a special program within the school for remediating the dyslexia. And she is a math and science kid for whom English, not so much, right? Is it is English more of a challenge? And so the way they set up a reward system for her in the classroom was they kept a stack of Sudokus in a box, in a cubby. And whenever she finished a writing assignment or a reading assignment or whatever, you know, then she got to go do a Sudoku. And for her, now I know that's not a reward for all kids, but it was for her because it was really playing to her strength. And what that school did better than absolutely anything. Yes, they taught her to read and write, but more than that, they taught her to really celebrate her strengths in math and science. And so here she is now in her 20s going into medical school and, you know, she still struggles with reading and writing, but man, can this kid do science? And because early, early on, some really brilliant teachers let her know that that's where she really needed to put her attention. That's great. I love hearing that. Isn't that a great story? Yes. Thank you for sharing it. I, I love that, that because each one of us has a very unique way of learning and in a unique way of processing social information and emotional information that comes in from our world. And it just, it's different and different doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's different. Understand it so that you can understand that, listen, if I'm in a social situation for two or three hours, I got to peace out. I'm done. It's all I can handle. Right. (laughs) I knew I loved you. Peace out is my favorite line. Right. Or like if I need to sit down and do a writing assignment, I may love that. And so I'm going to start it and finish it. But if it's not your jam, then you need to figure out how am I going to break this down so that I can tolerate this and then set it up next to something else that is that does come easier so that I'm not feeling so discouraged or frustrated. And I, I think, again, it's just it's like taking all the puzzle pieces for each individual child and saying what works for you, because it's not going to be the same as the next person this way or that way, or even your sibling or family member. So let's make this real. Okay. Cause I, I told you at the beginning, what I said was that we're going to have a great conversation. Then we're going to figure out what it's about later. Cause that's how I roll. Right. And so what I think our conversation is about is what do our kids need from us? Right. So can you make it really practical for a minute? Like, What's the message you want parents to hear? I get the big picture of look at how they learn and how they communicate and all that. But like, if there was one place you would direct them, what would it be? When your child is speaking to you or is frustrated or is giving you attitude or whatever is to, for me personally, it stirs up a lot of emotion. And I have to be very aware of what it's stirring up for me because most of the time, heck like all of the time, it's the emotion that's coming up for me is not about my child. It's about something else. And I have to learn to set that aside and say, what is my child? What does my child need from me right now? Yeah. And that change. And it's, it's hard because for parents who like, you know, formulas and scripts, this isn't it. What I'm saying is you have to roll with it. And if you're not a roll with it kind of person, then parenting is really hard. I call it a bring it on attitude. (laughs) Right. I want to get parents to a point where it's like, bring it on. I got whatever's coming at me. I can handle it. And the way to do that is what you're saying, which is to realize that other people's stuff is their stuff Mm -hmm. and their kids stuff is their stuff. And it's not, and to not take it personally. And that can be hard to do. That can be very, very hard. I mean, I've been in my own therapy going, why 
is my <laughs> child instigating me with this in like this high intensity and something is not commensurate here. Help me. And I realized it was my own stuff that was coming yeah. up. And it usually is, right? So the reason that behavior training for parents is part of treatment for kids is because the change starts with us. Right. It's how we're communicating, how the nuances of how we're communicating set the tone for the dynamic and the relationship. I think you're going to find this amusing. So I work with a lot of parents, right? Yep. And the way that you do. And I'll say to a parent, so that your child's response is making you very angry. Where is that coming from? And a lot of parents will say to me, wait, this is about me? Right. I <laughs> And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, but this is like a family yeah, affair. Yeah. <laughs> and that's sometimes the mindset of I'm bringing my kid to you, fix my kid and bring them back to me. And what I'm saying is, sorry, Charlie, we have to look at the whole system because everybody plays a role. Systems are systems and they're dynamic and they're constantly in motion. So if right. you shift one piece, the rest, everything else gets shifted. It's like when you change the furniture in a room. Now, all of a sudden, oh, I don't need that end table. The ottoman's got to go. Right. right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great analogy. I like that. Yeah. So things have to shift. You have to move around, look at it differently and respond differently. And that's definitely like if parents who come to work with me are not going to be, you know, sitting there going. So, you know, let's not just reading a magazine in the waiting room. <laughs> Everybody has to, you know, pull up the sleeves. we're going out to play in the dirt. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I'm so with you. Well, you know, so many things are coming up, but but this notion of of what they need from me is to manage me, right? Is to manage my reactivity. So if I'm feeling like my kid is being rude or disrespectful, well, maybe they are. But, you know, if I get curious instead of furious, I can begin to understand what's causing them to behave or react that way. And maybe it's me or maybe it's something that happened on the playground or we're on Instagram or you know, who knows what's causing it, but something's causing that behavior. Absolutely. And I can, again, tell you on a very personal level, I, a couple of weeks ago, one of my children, I didn't know this, had had a very tough conversation or an interaction with a friend and then just came at me. And I, and I was like, what's going on? Yeah. Because it wasn't about what I was asking him to do. And I think <laughs> he's trained enough now to be like, okay, this doesn't have to do with this. I just, this is what happened. I was like, okay, right. shift focus. And, and let me, and let's deal with that. Right. I, I remember the same kid I was telling you about earlier in third grade, fast forward to eighth grade is having this fit screaming through the house, screaming at the top of her lungs. I don't know why I'm so upset. I just am, <laughs> you know, slamming doors. And, and of course it was hard not to laugh, but it was also, it was they, by that point, she, by that point had that awareness that she was upset and it really wasn't about anything right in front of her. And what a life skill to be able to teach your kids that, you know, sometimes when we're upset about something, it's not what we think we're upset about. No, not at all. And, and this idea that I think I experienced on a very personal level and see a lot of parents is that when we're disre dysregulated, yeah. you have a child who is easily dysregulated, that dysregulates your child even right. more. And you have two dysregulated people, which isn't going to work. Like if that's right. Not There's gonna, no problem solving there. And we're done. You might as well just phone it in and we're done for the day. Yeah. So it's like, I know for myself, I had to learn how to ground myself so that I could help my daughter to ground 
herself. Herself, exactly. That was a huge realization for me that I say to a lot of parents is like, okay, if you're getting dysregulated, meaning you're starting to feel out of control or anxious or unusually angry, you need to figure out why. Deal with that, right? But you have to calm yourself down in the moment so that you can ground your child, which I can tell you from a personal level is incredibly exhausting. It is. And if you at least know that's the place to start, that's so huge. Like it's so huge to recognize that if we try to just, somebody asked me in an an interview this morning, how do you help a kid calm down when they're in the middle of a a problem? And it's like, you don't, (laughs) you do not try to problem solve in that moment when they're upset. Problem solving happens outside of the upset. It can't happen in the middle of it. I just had that conversation with a parent is when we're in meltdown mode, we're in primal mode. And it's basically, we have to figure out, you know, are we going to attack the, 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 the predator, even though there is no predator, Uh, but the, all the problem solving and the processing happens when you're calmer, then we can activate the higher levels of the brain that are responsible for reason. But there is no reason when we're, you know, clawing. When the saber toothed tiger is at the door, right? You have to wait till you're sitting around the campfire. Yeah. Totally. Totally with you. Yeah. So Liz, how can people find out? Because I I know this is fascinating. You and I could probably talk for a couple of days, I'm guessing. Easily. (laughs) Um, But how can people find out more about you? Um, They can go to our website, which is psychedconsult.com psychedconsult.com and it'll be in the show notes. So y'all can find her there. And always there's a fabulous that. team behind you, which is always it's a wonderful thing to have. Oh, it's so great. It's so great how that came to be. So, so we, we have a few more minutes. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Something you want to make sure they take away from today or that you hope parents will take away from today? So I do want to share my most favorite quote that I say to a lot of people. Well, I was going to ask you that, but is there anything else first? And if not, your quote can be your takeaway. That's fine. I think really look at your child in the moment Mm -hmm. and don't make assumptions. If you don't know the answer, ask the question. And I say that all the time. Our children are our best source of information. Just just ask, ask them because they will tell you if you ask them. Also, if if they tell you they don't know, it may actually be because they don't know. It's absolutely right. That's when I say then offer two choices. Right. If they grasp onto something and it's not the actual reason, that's okay. Because now we can assign meaning to how I feel. And that gives words at least for the next time. Right. Yeah. Because it's a series of conversations. There's no single conversation. It's it's ongoing. Oh, ongoing and ongoing. And ongoing. <laughs> Okay, now you have a favorite quote or or motto. What is it? Because when I asked her this, she was like, she knew immediately. I knew it. it? Knew it. Fake it till you make it. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you don't feel like you know what you're doing. And I mean, let's be honest with parenting, you know, which manual did you get? Because I didn't get one. And it's and that manual, I feel like it has to be edited and revised and upgraded like a thousand times. Parenting is a really, really hard job because it's your stuff and their stuff, and then just like everyday stuff. So, you know, you just, you sometimes have to go through the motions and say the phrases, even though you don't a hundred percent feel it, but over time you will. Yeah. And it becomes a part of your repertoire. And it's amazing how, how adaptable we are as humans and, and how resilient kids can be, right? If we give them the opportunity to be, it really is extraordinary. Give them the space to be vulnerable and yeah. to, 
problem solve, and then stand up again, figure it out, and knowing they can come back to a safe place where there's not going to be any judgment or criticism or belittling, um, I think is huge. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Let's close on that. It's a great way to to end the conversation. Um, Liz, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Our guest has been Dr. Liz Mathias. She is a licensed clinical psychologist and certified school psychologist and um, has shared a lot of wisdom with us today about what it means to be in conversation and in relationship with our kids and to really pay attention to what our kids need from us most, um, which is you know what we're about in Impact Parents. So particularly grateful to have you here and, and to be having this conversation. And to those of you listening, thank you for tuning in, for being part of, of, of our world and for doing what you're doing in your world for yourself and for your kids. You make a difference. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.